Hello and welcome back to the Hardcore Sobriety Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Hardcore, also known as Logan Slaughter, also known as an asshole. So today we have a very special guest who I have to say I'm excited to talk to because we've been in the same realm and around the same people for a long time, but we kind of just always cross paths and never ran in the same group. So today our guest is New York City drag, I will say icon, because there's no one that performs quite the way she does. And also Fire Island icon, Miss Pixie Aventura. Aventura. Oh my god, thank you. No, thank you for being here. We travel in the same realms. We're we're fairy folk. Um, girl, girl, we're two ships passing in the night. Yes. We see each other here and there, but like we've been we started around the same time. Yeah. I think. And we just always, you know, we were always in the same neighborhoods and hanging out with the same people. We just didn't like hang out outside of maybe an after hours. <laughs> uh well, you were definitely in a crazier state back then. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I was going to say, did you even ever come to our after hours me and Bianca? Like I can't even remember who was there. Uh the last time that I I swear to you, I think the last time that we actually hung out after hours was when we went to the old Empanada Mama after Vlada. Um, oh my god. If you didn't even remember but it was, I distinctly remember Bianca running in the street and falling on her face. <laughs> uh, and this was like early, early on. If it was Vlada, it was literally like 2010 or 11. Yeah. It was about- and Bianca was in, did, was she in drag when she fell? Of course. Oh, this was like a highlight for us. This used, when we lived up in Harlem, there was nightly falls. Yeah. Getting out of cabs in snow and falling with her shoes off, her yeah. Minnie Mouse heels in her hands. Mouse heels. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and now you are, I have to say, I say it to people all the time when they ask, like, New York City girls who's worth seeing. I always say you because you give 155% every single time I've ever seen you perform in every video. There is never a time where I'm like, well, she could have done a little better. I try. I try. Actually, it's because of Bianca, because she told me um, a phrase that was told by Cheetah Rivera, that there's always someone in the audience that has never seen you, and you have to prove yourself why you're on stage. Girl, do you know how many times I got that pep talk from our little abuela, Del Rio? Because... Girl, you know she likes to repeat herself at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> so when you live with her, you really get the same videos of Patty Lapone and Glenn Close and the same the same advice given to you every night. But I have to say, like, it was easier for me to give a hundred percent even when I didn't want to, when I was drinking and doing drugs. Now when those nights that I don't feel like it, I literally sometimes I'm on stage and I'm like, Oh my God, you're a man in a wig lip syncing too. She used to be mine. What is going on? <laughs> I can totally see that from you. <laughs> I don't even know if you had control of your body when you were uh, drunk. It was just going. No, I just, girl, back in the day, it was just like, 
wind me up and let me go like a dreidel and see where I land. (laughs) But, you know, that time has come and gone. Um, I really, I came onto your Instagram live last week. You were reviewing a face product, a beautiful face mask. Yeah, I threw it away. (laughs) it's that green tea mask where it like you put it on and it becomes like you have um oatmeal or something on your face because it like it strikes everything well it was complete bullshit it wasn't even like a moisturizer it just was green (laughs) money yeah it didn't look great while you were doing it and then when i came into your live and was watching there was like some old witch lady attacking you who now follows me so thanks what (laughs) yeah she followed me because i guess probably because i came into your live video well i don't even know if she followed me that's the thing well she does oh my god now she follows me so now we're both something she was telling you there's like goat blood and yeah that there's people that are using um like Bad uh, juju, bad energy towards me, uh, including animal blood, and she couldn't say anything more specific than just that. So, I'm- and then I popped up on the screen, so it couldn't have been more perfect. I would like it to be known I don't wish you any bad energy. <laughs> Thank you so much. You. Um, there's so many things that like I want to talk to you about, and I think it's important because on this, like my podcast, I talk about recovery a lot. Obviously, I don't shut up about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And one thing I say is like, no one cared when I was drunk and high talking about how drunk and high I was. It was funny. But now that I'm sober, people are like, oh, it's a little much. And it's like, well, maybe that's for you to look at because. Uh, you know what? I would like to say that that was not the case for me um i didn't know you that well i knew that you uh were a ticking time bomb uh so you couldn't trigger you couldn't be triggered and um i didn't i wasn't the in the place or person to say anything to you because like i it was just not me i didn't know her i didn't know you like that but i always was like oh here we go Oh, my God. Anytime I showed up, it was, oh, my God, here we go. Like, you never knew how it was going to end. It was always either going to be really fun or the most dramatic night of your life. Yeah. And no in-between. There was never a night I can remember getting home and being like, that was easy. There was always some chaos, which, you know, you're welcome for all the fun I provided people. (laughs) Lots of memories and stories for people. But, my God. Um, you know, we both worked, well, you still work out on Fire Island. Yeah. Um, you were in the Grove, you were at the Ice Palace, and then you moved your show over to the Pavilion in the Pines. Yeah. And you were, I think, the first girl I remember seeing, like, working during this pandemic. Like, you, they set you up outside, and you were able to work, um... You know, meanwhile, the pandemic's going on and I am calling out everyone for their horrible behavior. Um, But it was so nice to see, like, you taking it seriously. And, like, you would walk off that two-by-four piece of wood and put your mask on to walk around. And it was like... Well, that was at the beginning because then the regulations changed. And then I was, like, I was told I can't leave the platform. So... I was outside, um, and I had to purchase like this 
specially made a shield <laughs> with lights on it. Um, and I, it was nighttime. Yeah, because it was nighttime. And I was told that I couldn't uh, leave the platform then. So it literally became me dancing on this two by four um, without being able to get off. So th- I think that mask situation lasted for two weeks. Oh, my God. How? Wait a minute. So how did people tip you if you couldn't get off? Was that all Venmo? It was either Venmo or it became a um, uh, what is it? a mass situation with uh, with a a bucket <laughs> where the bucket was passed and I bought uh, light up buckets so that you can see the bucket. Oh my coming. god, girl! No, it oh, was constantly god. changing. Uh, but yeah, I was one of the first ones in the city. I feel to July fourth is when I started. Yeah, so you went back before everyone because I specifically. Will remember being like, all right now, like there's hope. People yeah. are going back. Yeah. We're lucky that Fire Island, like a lot of the shit could be outside. Yeah. Um, I think the Pines did a really great job. I know that Cherries did a phenomenal job. Like the way that they ran, the way that Jackie was able to switch Cherries so quickly, yeah, was pretty shocking to me. Um, you know, and then our friends at the Ice Palace took a minute to open up a little longer. But, you know, they have a big enough space and outdoor that they're able to, you know, everyone made it work. Um, I don't know you to be a heavy drinker. Um, on stage, I don't think I can ever remember you being, like, belligerently drunk and weird. Like, I I feel, and I feel like I talked with about this with Bob a little bit, like, you do you drink on stage? No. So if I have a drink on stage, um, I almost never finish it because I'm just once I'm on, I'm on, and I'm not looking to. Uh, I mean, I actually more drink more soda water, and I toast with soda water, which is probably it's you know it's not the thing to do, but um, I just don't. I really don't. I, if I drink a shot for something celebratory going on, it's probably halfway towards the end of the show. Um, I've always said if I need substance of any kind to get through a show, then that's when I need to stop. Girl, hi. I wouldn't have ever started. No. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, because like I didn't do drugs until you know, a while into it. But once I started, I was like, oh, this is great. And then there came a point where I was like, I couldn't do a show without it. Mm. And I was like, this is a little frightening. So then to get sober in in a pandemic while I'm doing online shows, yep. and now not only am I completely switching how I perform, but I'm doing it in my fucking living room. Yeah. Was very weird for me. But it's, you know... Now that I'm on the other side of it, and I, it's so funny because I was listening. I know you listen to uh, Sibling Rivalry. Yeah. I've heard you on it too. They did their advisory yesterday, and someone wrote in from New York City Nightlife saying like that they think it's uh, – like what are Bob and Monet's thoughts about people in bars that work there drinking? And like how – and Bob was like, I don't think you should be drinking at work. Like, Got it. and Monet was like, but you're working in a bar. And it like, literally I was listening to it on my drive home from a show. Yeah. And I was like, I can't wait to talk to Pixie about this like particular thing because we are in nightlife. We do work in bars. 
But now that I'm on the other side of it, and you know, you don't drink on stage, I think I look at people that do and take it to the next level, and I'm like, this is really unprofessional. Mm. <laughs> like, I become, I, I've become quite judgy, yeah. <laughs> and I try not to be. But, you know, I like what you say that if you have to have substances to get through a show, are you even... Do you need to be doing this? Um, you know, and it goes, it also goes with if you need substance to have fun. Um, and I've just never, I've, I've never been in a position up to now, knocking on wood, where that's the case. Um, I also, like, I've, I've tried many things, so I can't be like, you know, that, that judgy Mary over there that's just like, oh no, I would never do that. I've tried many things. There's just not a lot that I've liked. I just, it doesn't, I, it doesn't mix with my body. Like, it just makes no sense to me. I always see, like, how the next day is going to be. And I'm like, I'm, I'm okay without this. Yes. I will say very quickly in my sobriety, the thing I was like, this is phenomenal, is not feeling like shit. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I would, I remember being out on Fire Island and I, (laughs) this summer and people were like oh girl and I was like I don't feel bad for you you did it to yourself get the fuck up Mm. (laughs) and like when I think about how rotted and miserable I felt for so many years because before I met Todd I really was doing this seven nights a week yeah like when I go back and think about those those Hell's Kitchen days when me and Bianca lived on 46th Street Mm -hmm. ugh it's frightening to me, but you know, what are your thoughts about like bartenders and performers drinking at work? Like if they asked us that question, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, we're there to promote people buying drinks because we're at a bar. That's how they make money. So it's a fine line of, um, sort of joining in on the fun, joining on the party, but then it's also, well, you know, you, you are at work um, and it's also what you're trying to present as part of your art form. If your gimmick is that you get sloshy and um, that's how you perform, then, then that's, wow. that's Drag me. Drag me There's a lot of people like that. And <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but then it comes down to what are you, what are you actually want at the end of the day? You know, it's, is is that all you want is to people know that, you perform wasted. Um, as far as bartenders too, I think I think it's hard because you know what I think is really hard is people will either tip you or at the end of the show would be like, oh my God, let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a shot. And I have to turn down a lot of people because I'm just like, if I say yes to everybody, I wouldn't have a liver. No, and you would so, end up like me. Just give me the tips that you were going to spend on the drink. Just give me that. I appreciate that more because I'm choosing to do with that money instead of like you choosing for me by giving me a drink. Yes. I think, you know, I jokingly said drag me when you were talking about Mm -hmm. um, people who made, I made a, and it really came down to Fire Island. Fire Island is where things really accelerated for me. And I became known as the party girl and the daytime party. Like, Saturday afternoons were huge. Like, 
if you didn't want to go to the beach, you knew to go to the Ice Palace pool for the shows. And then, like, for years, I don't even remember what I used to do after the show when Dallas and I did the show together. Like, I don't know what my routine was. But, um, you know, and getting sober, I had to realize, like, I love hosting. I love the comedy aspect of drag. And for so long, I think I've, because I was higher than fucking Christmas with all the energy in the world, I thought I needed to like buck the house down like Shangela and dislocate my knees six times and shit like that. And now I'm like able to go on stage sober and just do what I like to do, which is talk shit and be vile and give people an hour to just fucking laugh and forget how politically correct the world is and all of that shit. And, you know, it's weird to feel like I'm just now finding my drag legs mm-hmm. almost 16 years later. <laughs> yeah, you, you, were, you weren't giving your chance to actually explore what you're capable of doing. No. Um, so... We talked about, in your live, the um, Glam Awards <laughs> and how you've had a, you know, people wanted you to be nominated. And after that petition went around, you've never been nominated for anything or asked to perform, which I need to say on this record, I think is if we're celebrating the best in nightlife and like showcasing the finest that we have and you're not being nominated or asked to perform i think there's clear bias and there's clear like just bullshit because i truly believe i've never seen anyone perform the way that you perform and it's shocking to me that it's not showcased at our big awards ceremony every year yeah um and i'm not gonna lie there's there was a time where it really bothered me because I'm like, we're really giving power to a one person. And this one person is basically determining uh, who's going to be on a ballot and whatnot. And, you know, this person doesn't actually go out of their way and uh, actually support nightlife and really interact with people. I think one of the last times that I was there, I like went to go say hi to her and she didn't even recognize me. She was like, I'm sorry, who are you? And I was like, I'm Pixie. And she was like, oh my God, hi. Do you want to present an award? Like she was still putting the show together. Um, at the event. At the event. And that was just kind of like the last kind of check on the list for me where I was just like, this isn't really celebratory. And if it really was, um, I don't know. It just, it does. people shouldn't be waiting around just to see if they win an award. That's not what celebratory means. Um, and when I discovered what that really was, was Wigstock 2.0, um, when Lady Bunny asked me to join. And it was the most amazing experience backstage, uh, which unfortunately was not part of the documentary, which I think should have been, because it was just all of these drag queens from all stages of life, all points in their lives. We even had the oldest drag queen in the country uh, from San Francisco, Seattle, I think from Seattle. And she was there. Um, It was incredible. And I was able to say hi to people that I, (laughs) like Libsynka was there. Um, uh, 
Raven was there. It was just, it was amazing. It was incredible. So to then be a part, but also not be a part of this award show um, at first definitely was stinging. It really bothered me. But now I've like moved on to a point of like, you know, whatever happens to me happens to me. And I, I know what I'm creating and creating a platform for myself that unfortunately doesn't necessarily need that. But I've always spoken my truth like you. And that's either gotten me people to like really get to know me or put me in a position where I'm known as a bitch. And I'm like, I've never, no, but I've never said anything negative about someone or something. I've always spoken the truth. And yes, some people can't handle it. No, most people can't handle it. And I'll say for me, like, I feel like we were never that close because I literally thought you were a bitch. <laughs> I was like, she's rancid. She doesn't want to talk to me. She thinks she's better than everyone. And like, that was just my interpretation of you from never talking to you, <laughs> which is, you know, the shit that I hear people think about me is yeah. wild and mind blowing. But that's the I, thing. I was never a party girl. I no. came into this as a party girl. So when you're not a party girl, you're not popular and there's never like chaos or drama that makes you popular. So that's when you think like, oh, she thinks she's better than me. And I'm like, because I'm not partying with you. Because I'm not blowing lines in the bathroom at industry with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it It's weird for me now to see drag how like we've lived in New York City drag through like a huge change. Yeah. Because back in the day, it was like a party scene. And like we would literally go from one bar to the next show. Like I would do Vlada Tuesdays, then walk down to Tranimal, then we would all go to industry, then we would all go to therapy. And it was like we were picking up queens as we went. And like it was a party scene like that. And now I feel like it really is show-based and like there's not as many parties as there are shows. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, and I said this on the, my show on an interview I was actually a guest on and I just put the audio up as an episode. I am so shocked that for being New York City and having the world's best drag and we have the most drag race winners and all that shit that we don't have a bar like play in Nashville mm. or, you know, that we don't have a place that like has a legitimate dressing room with legitimate stations and mirrors and a cast show and a show director. It blows my mind. And the closest thing that comes to it is queen. And I'm not downplaying queen by any stretch of the imagination, but like, it's nothing compared to these like review shows in Dallas and Nashville and all of that. And why do you think New York like refuse the closest we ever got was hot mess with bunny and Bianca. Yeah. Yeah. And like, why are we unable to do this? Uh, well, one has to do with the bars, like the, the, the less, um, I guess, uh, area you have for actual patrons, the less money you're going to make. So, um, it's always been, I feel like Dragon New York, why it's been so successful in that same ride is because you are just running with the punches. You are, you're, it's very in the moment, in the spot. Um, 
so it's not like a necessarily like relaxing situation where you're just like setting up and you're getting ready. It's it's like go. It's like go go it's go. Chaos. Yeah. We get ready in literal broom closets. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I get ready at home. So I mean, I paint my face at home, and then I drive. Like I only do playhouse now, yeah. which. God bless, I love Justin and Eric, and I was so thankful that when the pandemic, like, lightened up and we would go back to work, Justin was like, you always have a home somewhere with us. Um, But, like, it's lovely. I get ready here, I get in my car, I drive down and park, and then, like, at least Playhouse and Hardware, you have a place to... Yeah, yeah. It's it's just wild to me that we're so well-known for, like, all these drag queens and like if people only knew the shit that we had to go through Mm -hmm. to produce this fucking drag yeah speaking of drag queens that are well known in the city and drag race is drag race something you aspire to have in your life do you do you audition like i don't know this side of you uh, I stopped auditioning a few years ago. Um, I feel like I convinced myself to like the show, and I don't. I don't like the show. <laughs> and that's not me being jaded or with a chip in my shoulder. I really don't. I really don't like reality TV. And I always think people forget that it's at, at first it's a reality competition show that has to do with drag. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that I am not thankful of the opportunities that I've gotten through. Um, through Drag Race because it has opened up a lot of doors. But with that has opened up a lot of doors of situations where I'm just like, oh, you don't even know what drag is. You're just buying into what's popular right now. Got it. Yes. Um, so I'm not saying that there's certain things about it aren't funny. There's obviously there's amazing people that have come out of there and, and there still are. But in general, I'm just not necessarily a fan and with that came just my realization that that wasn't my path, that I uh, I feel like I've always been someone that has put, has to create their own path. And this is just another aspect of that, where I feel like I'm the next wave of whatever drag media is. Yes. Because, like, you're someone that performance-wise... Uh, like you always have a look you i feel like i never see you being like oh she's having an off day like Mm -hmm. it's always put together it's always styled correctly your performances are great like it in theory on paper i feel like you're made for the show right and i feel like after bianca's season that show switched completely Mm -hmm. and you know, people we know like Tina who are talented and she's was the national comedy queen go on this platform and don't get to showcase the way they should. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, people are always like, oh, you're so bitter because you didn't get on after Bianca. Yeah, there was a time I was bitter because I was, after being close with Willem, Alyssa and Bianca, I was literally like, why am I not on this fucking show? Um, but I wouldn't do it now if they called me. There was a fine line of, you know, being happy for my friends, but also just having that little voice in the back of my leg. Well, what about me? Because I had two co-hosts of mine win it. So, uh, you know, it, it, it gets to you. Cause you're like, well, what does that make me? 
like that. Yeah. Um, but then again, I also got to, I realized it wasn't about me. Um, you know, they're creating a narrative, which is <laughs> reality TV. Um, they're creating a narrative. And I just, I was like, either I put myself in that position where I'm like trying to achieve something for something else, or if I'm trying to achieve personal goals, which is, you know, I realized, okay, then it's not, then it's not the show. Yeah. I mean, it was, Bianca was gut-wrenching for me because, you know, we lived together. I would be watching it. She would be getting ready and she'd be like, what are you watching? I would never, oh, this isn't drag. And then literally we were at therapy doing the show the night before she left and we always did a shot after the show. And I remember saying, do you want a shot? She was like, no. And I turned to the bar to do the shot. I turned around and she was gone. And that was it. I didn't see her for six weeks. Yeah. And I remember being on Fire Island and my phone rang and it was her name. And I answered it. And she was like, you're the first person I'm calling. I just got to the airport. We're doing lunch tomorrow. And I was like, okay. But like, that was hard for me. And... Yeah. I had RuPaul come to... RuPaul was at Stonewall for my show and tipped me. RuPaul had been at Stonewall another night that I was in a show. Like, it all felt like it was aligning because RuPaul had gone to Monster to see Bob. Like, it all felt, here we are, and, like, I could touch it, but it never fucking happened. And then there came a point in my life where I was like... If I would have got, like now I can look at it and say, if I got on that show, I would not still be married because the way that I partied, I would have ruined everything. And I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, she didn't come to me, but I had a lot of uh, producers come to my shows um, as well. And to the point where I had lined up my designers twice. Um, and it was just like, okay, I don't know what's going to do, but like, like, these are my ideas in general for what my aesthetic is. And like, it was, it was all getting ready and nothing happened. And I was just, I was like, all right. Yeah. Because the one rumor that, you know, we in the city, it's hard for us to not notice when girls go missing. Yeah. And I do remember one year that there was the rumor that you had gotten, all the way through, Psychovals had everything made, and then they transferred you for another girl at the last minute. And I was like, that one, I've never heard of that happening. I've heard of someone getting called in because someone failed a psych evaluation. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, you're one of those girls, like I said to Bob, I always knew Bob would go on that show and like do well. Bianca, I always said she would either go first, and if she didn't go first, she was winning the whole thing. Mm hmm um, and I feel like I've always expected to see you and Jasmine on that show. But I don't know you well enough to have, like, said... She auditions every year. So yeah. when people ask me, well, now I know. So what is Pixie's big... Like, what is... What do you aspire to do with your drag? And, like, what is the end goal and big payoff for you? Um... Without realizing, uh, I, at the point that I started doing drag here in the city, uh, well, even in college, but mostly in the city, is that I was the token Latin girl. And for the longest time, I was just trying to stay away from the Latin thing, even as a boy performer, 
because I thought success was um, basically whitewashing myself. Um, and then drag actually was one of the biggest elements of me realizing of just owning it. And I sort of became, yes, the token land girl, but I was like, well, if I'm going to be the token land girl, I'm going to succeed in doing that very well. Um, so in a way I've created this Latin queer platform that now there are so many Latin girls, which is amazing, but that wasn't the case when I started. No, not at all. You were, when I think about like back in the day, if I were to name the girls that it was, it was Bianca, me, you, Tina, Bootsy, uh, Blackio. Like, I'm just trying to think like who ran in our circle. And like Bob Monet, but like there no, was I, not Latin girls. Yeah, yeah. And now you're like mother hen of the Latin girls at Playhouse. Yeah. Um. So that's definitely one aspect of it. The other thing is, I've already started thinking of, and this is the first time I'm saying it in a, a public. Oh my, oh um, my god! An exclusive. Navigate uh, out of nightlife, um, which is not going to be a night and day situation. But it's um, it's gonna take a bit. But I've already started, you know, filming um, indie films. Um, I've already like done TV shows sprinkled here and there. Um, but that's I think definitely um, a path that I'm I'm taking. Just because, in a way, I feel like I've done as much as I can in nightlife in New York uh-huh. City which is also why I started traveling more and now I'm traveling again, which I really fucking missed it uh, for work. Uh, Cause I'm, it just allows me to do what I do here. Well, in other cities where people just haven't seen it. Haven't seen it because if I saw you for the first time, I'd throw my entire wallet. Like you're an electrifying performer. So like, when I say you should be on Drag Race, it really comes down to because I think you should be able to take what you do elsewhere right. because I really think it's the type of drag that should be showcased. I think I've been kind of um, trying to find the right word. Um, side side marked in the city. Um, and I partially it's because of that fucking award show. Um, because... <laughs> Yeah, I've been side benched, so I feel like I need to travel more. And I was doing it so much before uh, COVID, um, but Hawaii is my first one back. So uh-huh. that. Where are you going in Hawaii? Uh, Kylie Kuna. Excuse us. <laughs> Excuse us. The doll is, you heard it here first, kid. She's going on tour and then she's quitting nightlife. <laughs> um, but is like that your ultimate goal is to stop doing nightlife and go into acting and I mean that was that's the basis of my performance that's where it started from um I, you know I didn't start drag because I wanted to be a party girl I didn't start drag because it was my way of interacting with other homosexuals I started drag because I was not giving opportunities in the theater world because I could not be pinpointed as a specific latin person um, I am queer, um, and I just, now that I do it 
And now that I'm such like a, a force in that field, now I get opportunities, which is so wild to me because you've been here all along. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I can't understand like how that must feel. I am very lucky that I came into nightlife. You know, it wasn't, I didn't move to New York to do nightlife. I moved one to get the fuck out of the town I lived in. And two, I had done theater my whole life, but I moved here. And the first night I moved here, I went out in drag because I wanted to go out with Epiphany. And I just never stopped. And like, I'm very lucky that I've been given a lot of the chances I was given. And also that I did not have repercussions for a lot of the shit that I've done. Yeah. And I'm very aware that a lot of the shit I got away with would not have happened if I was not white. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I don't take that for granted and it doesn't go not noticed by me. Um, When I got sober, I had to do a lot of like, you know, reflecting, going through these steps, like pointing out things that I have done and like looking at why they happened and all of that was very hard for me in certain ways because I did have to realize like the way I treated people and you know, the fact, like I said to you, I thought you were a bitch for no reason. And like, I've talked to you today for 37 minutes and I've got to know you more now than I have in the 14 or 15 years we've been in the same circles. Yeah. And it's insane to me. Um, and when I think about it, it all just came down to, I was going out and getting blasted because I was socially uncomfortable Mm. and I, you know, I came from a place where being gay was not accepted and I was horribly, not horribly, but like extremely gay. And I moved here to overnight, literally on a red eye plane where being gay was normal and I did not know how to navigate it. So I drank to numb the feelings of anxiety and I never stopped. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I literally just got goosebumps talking about it because it took all of this for me to realize why this all happened. And, you know, it's hard for me to hear you say, like, you didn't get these opportunities. But I think it's great now that you are getting them. And it's a little later than you expected to get them or wanted them. But, like, like you said, you have paved your own way in a lot of ways. And that's really admirable. And like, who's that, who that isn't on Drag Race had a billboard in Times Square? It certainly wasn't me. It was you. And that's really phenomenal. And I think for the Latin girls in the city that are newer coming up or that have been around like Lola Michelle, like you are someone that they're able to look up to. And I think that's really a phenomenal thing for you. And like to not for that to be forgotten. Thank you. <laughs> yes, don't start. Don't. Th- now's the time you can give your speech that you would give at the Glam Awards. <laughs> well, in all fairness, um, I honestly thought that if there was any year that I was potentially to win anything was this year because of what you just said. Um, being a Pepsi girl, being on the billboard, like, I did a lot. Um, girl, a Pepsi girl. That is wild to me. Yeah. Uh, but in, I actually thought about like, you know, what would have been if I would have won and I, I would have shaken up 
the whole situation and I would have honestly brought up all of the other nominees for entertainer of the year, because I think that that award and maybe one or two should be celebrating the top people, not just necessarily one. And I would have brought up the other girls because I think actually that should be a secretive moment of who and nobody should know who the entertainer nominees are. I think if everybody shows up and then whoever if it, they get brought up all together as a surprise, I think that's phenomenal as a class, like the class of 2021. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think because it is so weird for me to think like we have to pick one person who's the best out of everyone, but like there are people that like, can't touch Bootsy comedically, but mm-hmm. she can't dance and perform the way that you can. Mm-hmm. So, like, to have to choose one is like. But that's the other thing. That's what people just assume that's all I do because that's what they see, but they don't come to my shows. They don't like. Oh, I know that's not all you do. I see you tell the story, darling. No, but like, that's the thing. Like, people don't think that I'm a funny host. And I'm like, I have a fucking show. Almost every night. Like, you think I'm just like... It, you can't have a show, and a solo show, in this city if you are not a good hostess. Yeah. You cannot... The faggots in this city will eat you up if you cannot be a microphone assassin. So, like, that is... There are people in this city working that I'm like... Yeah, you don't need to ever touch a microphone again because <laughs> it's frightening. And, like, it's hard to sit through. And, you know, there should be a category for best person on a microphone. <laughs> and that should be a group of people that gets brought up, too. Because, you know, and you are a very well-rounded performer. You are a dancer. But when I literally think of you, that's not the first thing I think. It is that, like, you're able to do very intense um, you know, songs that most people wouldn't attempt to do because it's not the norm for a show and your emotions and emoting of it is wild to watch and like a masterclass in lip syncing. That's another thing that I'm very proud of too is doing music that I actually connect to. Um, It doesn't even have to be like dramatic in general. It's just music that I really connect to and it's thinking like a business person is like, well, do I want to do shows that you could literally walk into any other bar and hear the same music? Or do you want to make it unique? Which was then has now uh, pushed me in a new direction of creating music. And that's what I'm in the middle of right now. What girl, excuse me. I, this, I'm like so happy to see you doing all these things and you know, I think it's, I feel horrible that you're, you feel sidelined in New York City and put on like the bench because I mean, just in everything you've said, you obviously shouldn't be. Um, I kind of took myself out of New York City nightlife and I've said no to work opportunities for two years because I like my one little show and like, (laughs) I have people that come every single week because it's the only time you're going to see me. And like, I've created a different show than you can see anywhere else. But that's what, that's what you needed to do. And that's some of these girls and you girls coming in. It's just like, you have to treat this like a business. If you are so 
filtered everywhere in the city, it's not unique. It's not going to be special. Like you need to like make it so people want to go because there are a few chances to go and see you. Yes. Which is why I've made my shows as different as I can. Like, because I don't want to be presenting the same thing over and over. No, these girls that like, and I will use fire Island for an example. The girls that have three or four shows on fire Island a week that are sometimes back-to-back days that are doing the same thing, I'm like... Yeah. uh, uh, Like, when I did Friday and then the pool show, my Friday night was a one-woman, like, I had a new costume every week. I did shit that I couldn't do out at the pool. And then the pool was like a party. Like, I did my best to make them two different things, but there is a lot of repetition of, like, girls doing the same numbers every single day and i'm like how does how is this marketable for these like for one the bar and two you Mm -hmm. but we see it work so (laughs) where i mean without getting myself into the trouble i got myself in last year is it working Um, I think some girls need to hang it up, but uh, that is not, you know, everyone's on their own journey. Um, So the last thing I'm going to say is like, I don't know how I wanted to word this. (laughs) This this might be the first time I ever have to edit something because my brain just stopped. Um, what is, you know, you've told us what you're working on. Where can everyone see you weekly in the city? And like you said, you're working on music. Like when can that be expected? And tell everyone your socials. All right. So let's start with the easiest. Socials are all Pixie Aventura. That's P-I-X-I-E. Aventura. A-V-E-N-T-U-R-A. Um, weekly shows are Barracuda uh, on Sunday. Mondays during Fire Island season, I'm in the Pines Pavilion. Tuesday, I am at a hardware bar for Drag Swap. Wednesday, I'm at Industry for the Help with Keisha Carr. Thursday, I'm at Playhouse for Fuego, which is an all-Latin review with all-Latin artists. And then Friday, once a week, I'm at the Lori Beachman for Distorted Disney, which has been running I dare say, I think it's the longest running off Broadway, off 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 Broadway situation. Um, you girls have been doing that forever. Ten years, I believe. Is it, much. girl? The I could have you back on with that group to have a full conversation about. You guys need a reality show for that. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it still selling out and everything every time? Because I remember, like before yeah. pandemic, it was sold out every night. We just came back. Um, they actually had to shut down the last month um so we've only done two shows back since covid uh started and those were sold out so yes um god bless only because you know it's there's few shows that people can come um but yeah okay i remembered what i was gonna ask and you don't have to answer this because it is you know we all know the people involved um as someone who is not white how do you feel about white queens hosting and having shows that are 
you know, Black History Month shows or Lunar New Year shows, but they're not inclusive of Black people or Asian descent people. And like, what are your thoughts on this? Because my thoughts are wild. Um, I don't do cast shows. I'm a one person show and like I make jokes, but like I'm in this weird in-between of like, can I do black artists that I love to perform that I want to celebrate their music? Or is this going to come off as it's February, it's Black History Month and Logan's doing Beyonce, like state killer in the middle of town and throw water on her. I think you said it uh, perfectly. It's a celebration of, of what you want to do. Uh, as far as like actually promoting a show, I think we're in a place now that ignorance is not bliss anymore. Ignorance is what it is, ignorance. And if you cannot see how troublesome that may that looks, it's um, it's it's up to you. It's it's it should be pointed at because um, you can't write off of uh, minorities' backs in order to present a show that is actually lack lacking culture and actual historical references, and. I even at my shows, like I, I don't promote a Black History show, but at my shows, I'm like, for Black History Month, I will be celebrating, uh, Black artists, Black queer artists, totally, Black trans queer artists. Yes. Um, but you know, I can still do that and do the rest of my stuff. It's just yeah. recognizing and uh, voicing what you're doing as opposed to just saying, oh, we're doing a Black a Chinese New Year show hosted by a white queen with one white person with one Asian person in the cast. <laughs> and I saw this pointed out by an Asian person and I really like it made my mind go, Oh my God, before I read this, I wouldn't have looked at that as anything other because I'm used to it, which is a problem. Yeah. Um, and then I had the conversation with Bob and Bob reminded me of the time that he wa- thought that maybe a black person should co-host or host the Black History Month show at Queen and the white queen that hosts it said no. So, you know, there's a lot that comes into that. There, There's a lot of perhaps fear of or intimidation of allowing someone else to host. But when I've now left Fuego, um, I've now taken um, uh, a rotation of who fills in for my spot because one, it allows that person to grow because you're yep. working within a barriers of a structure of a show that can work, is able to work. So it gives them a confidence of not having to work with that. But so if you're just doing this for yourself, then that's another thing you, that you need to deal with. But I know that I've given opportunities to all these girls. I can continue doing those opportunity by allowing them to experience that hosting. Not that, you know, they've done their own hosting, but at least in my show is giving them an opportunity. And then the last part B of this is, do you see New York City nightlife becoming more inclusive and more, you know, I feel like I see a little bit of it, but like, I feel like we got a long way to go. I do feel like we're a long way to to go. Um, I think general New York City nightlife is still undergoing a lot of change. Um, it's still trying to find its legs again since COVID. Um, I do feel that we need to get away from this mentality that you have to get 
to, that you have to pay to get into a bar and like create a line outside for um, appearance situations. Um, I, you know, to, to if I always I've always said if you need to pay to get into somewhere, you better be getting something that you can't get down the street. Um, and that mentality, that old school New York mentality of having to pay in, it's just, I've always thought it was tacky. Um, because especially if you're trying to be a a queer welcoming space, not everyone can just be putting out money, all that type of money, as, as long as buying, as well as buying drinks. And not cheap drinks either. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, if you're trying to establish that inclusivity, um, that's a way of, of... I mean, that's a whole nother... The inclusivity and the people who are trying to get the gay dollars is a whole nother... Yeah. I'm looking at you, the Ritz. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't but, been a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a long way to go. But, you know, I think it took moments like that happened with... In with Lucy's stool and all of that, like to have these uncomfortable conversations and people getting called the fuck out for horrible shit. I think it took that. And I think it will still take that. And I think now people are almost at least aware to not do dumb shit and blatantly racist shit because it doesn't fly anymore. Um, You know, I look back at things that I said on stage that, 10 years ago that I would be crucified for yeah. saying now things that Bianca said, like it, it, it was a different time. Things have changed. We're all a little more aware. I can take complete accountability for things, yeah. but I can also say that I've taken the time, especially in the past two years with the social like uprising and all of that to like really take time to educate myself about where I was wrong and how I can do better. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that you give space to, you know, especially Latin performers in the city. I think it's when Escalita closed and we kind of lost what was really the, a safe space for Latin and Black queer people. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that you're giving that because I think every person deserves somewhere they can feel special. And I think that's really phenomenal that you're doing that. The show is also an educational moment because it's not just Latin or Black people coming to see my show. There's definitely a lot of white people too. If you're not Latin or Black, you cannot get into Fuego at Playhouse. Um, I also have to say at my show at Playhouse, sometimes I say that I'm not convinced that you don't own and work at El Jalapeno, the taco truck around the corner. I think you make all your money at Playhouse and then bought the taco truck and you own it. And I said last night that when I talked to you today, I was going to ask you why it wasn't there last night. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, I've got to give them a break. (laughs) (laughs) Give the people a break. Oh, my God. Pixie, I have to say, thank you for taking time to do this with me today. Um, I've learned more about you in an hour than I had in years. And I have always had a level of respect for you, although not vocally, and I would be off-putting and all of that. I've had a level of respect for you 
as a performer. And today, just having a conversation really intensified that more than it already was. So thank you again. And everyone, if you get the chance, please go see Pixie. I can vouch for the fact that you will have a phenomenal time. The show is great. And I promise you, you're not going to be bored. And you might actually see good talent that wasn't on Drag Race. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate you for having me. And uh, it's so nice to see someone that's level-headed now. (laughs) Well, girl, let's not get crazy. (laughs) Hold on. Let me stop this and then...